With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! Hello and welcome to Nerf This, the esports show that is growing faster than PUBG. I am your host, Brian Huff, and I'm joined as I always am by Seven. Hello, sir. I guess just going forward is all you need. We could gain one listener, and we've beaten PUBG this this Hey, hey, the numbers don't matter. The headline is what matters, okay? And we are growing faster than PUBG. The intro is what matters, really. Let's be honest. The fact that you're probably planning this for days now. No, that literally just came to me. (laughs) Good. Thank goodness for show notes. If you notice, <laughs> when they don't come to me immediately, I always try to play it off as by I got tongue tied, but it was really because I couldn't like in the moment all of a sudden figure out what my uh, intro was going to be. But I do know what's going to be on the show this week. We're going to talk about the Valve changes to, or should I say, the changes Valve have made to the Dota Pro Circuit for 2018, 2019. We are going to talk some Fortnite esports, and if it makes sense to model it after your favorite esport, H1Z1. Uh, we got some Overwatch League news, and we also have a little FGC interview, which I'm super stoked about. But before we get to all that, let's talk about the aforementioned PUBG. 44.7%. Decrease in players from its highest mark in January. This is a game that was the first in years to beat out Dota 2 for most concurrent players on Steam. This is the third most watched game on Twitch. We have talked about the subject to a certain degree, but we should dig into this more now. What What is going on? Like, What has Fortnite done and what has Bluehole not done to get us in this situation? I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Fortnite actually works. Um, so that <laughs> Amazing helpful. how that is. Yeah. And so, well, the barrier entry is even lower, right? Because uh, the fact that Fortnite is just free to play, so you pick it up and go. Uh, their development track has been uh, a lot faster than we've seen with PUBG. PUBG tends to roll things out. Even though they're dropping patches at a reasonable rate, they're still making smaller fixes. Their dev team isn't uh, as active. There's quite a few reasons. I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, Fortnite works on like a potato, right? You could be just literally playing on a watermelon, what kind, whatever kind of vegetable. <laughs> you got a raspberry you pie, like just stuck in a baked potato. Yeah, it could be just about anything, and it actually works fairly well because it's not trying to mimic re- real world in every way, shape, or form. Yep. Uh, however, with PUBG, it's trying to be realistic, so therefore it pushes um, 
it pushes the hardware that you need up more, and so you, it's more costly. So you have your barrier to entry is like a more pricey computer. Uh, so it's not as exactly like kid friendly because I'm telling you, I'll tell you this much: it was it was like I don't know, like a couple months ago, I was visiting family back home. And uh, like a, a nephew of mine was like, hey, do you play Fortnite? I'm like, dude, you're like five. Like, how do you know about Fortnite? <laughs> but he didn't say, hey, you want to go, you want to run duos in PUBG? That's not how it goes, right? So there's just, there, there are a, a number of reasons. But even though I said the barrier entry is higher, even if you do have a better computer, you're still having problems because it's not optimized well, it doesn't run well. So there's just a bunch of things working against it, which, which sucks because I love PUBG. I was actually watching some more stuff with like, Doc and Shroud, what they did at uh, DreamHack Austin this past weekend. Mm-hmm. That was a hell of a fun uh, time to watch. Like, it was just, it was awesome. But at the same point in time, it's like, come on, come on. Like, I, I don't want PUBG to die. I'm not anti, I love PUBG. Yep. I just, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't make them fix the game, unfortunately. <laughs> Nobody can. What was interesting is you, you pointed out the graphical differences between the two games, and it reminds me. Of something that happened, what, now, like 12 years ago? But World of Warcraft, when it took right. over the MMO space, one of the big things that made it successful compared to some of its competitors was it ran on a potato. The graphical style yeah. lended itself well to mass adoption. And when you're often talking about younger kids, you know, we're seeing people, I mean, five-year-old apparently knows what Fortnite is, you they're going to have less powerful machines, right? They're playing on some family laptop or some, you know, PC that their dad uses or something of that nature. And they can play this more. Why Minecraft was popular. I mean, I played Warcraft on a potato for years because it's all I could afford. And that does have a huge part into it. I also do think like the innovation between the two games, like blue hole has largely just been trying to fix all the aforementioned problems that you referenced. Well, Fortnite has its bugs and does its thing. The team at Epic also is really good about experimenting with new modes, putting new items into the game, not being afraid to put items in the game that they may take out later because it doesn't work. And they're fine with that, where there almost seems to be, and this is weird to say given the state of the game, but player unknown, Brendan Green, does seem to have like a streak of perfectionism when it comes to the design and the things he's willing to put into the game. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a bug-free experience or it is the best software engineering efforts but from a game design standpoint, there seems to be a very long iteration cycle before they're willing to add things to the game, and they tend to do it more waterfall-y, where it's just like, hey, we've spent months and months on this thing, here it is, where Fortnite like turns on a game mode. And kudos to them, because it has a lot to do, too, with just the game engine is flexible for them, right? They, they have clearly built Fortnite in a way that is easily extensible, and they can you know, turn switches on and off for specific things, which it doesn't seem that PUBG necessarily has available to it, because it does take forever to see even the most minor of changes come through. Right. And, and also, when you talk about uh, just being the owner of an engine, generally means you're able to optimize more. You, you've been, I mean... Uh, Epic owns the Unreal Engine. That's their thing. And so they've been playing in the space for a long time. They've uh, built a lot of things into the actual toolkits and, and everything else. So they need, like, it's just there. It's, it's basically what they live and breathe. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're Blue Hole, sometimes you have to, like, hey, we want this kind of tool. We want to do this, that, and the other. You either have to develop it yourself or get uh, Unreal to modify stuff, and and there's also some uh, some differences too. So one of the things you do when you create a game is you often lock it to a specific version of the engine that you're in. So uh, you, for instance, if you're like Unreal four point one two three, whatever it may be, you lock it to that. And what reason being is, in anything else you need from that point on, you just 
build it yourself. Because what happens is if you upgrade to like 4.2, whatever, it could break numbers, uh, like numerous things. And so uh, in doing so, if it's built, if you're the engine maker and you know what's happening, you can, or before you even give that new release with all the new features, new optimizations. You've already got them. You've already fixed all your stuff, right? You're yep. not going to release something that breaks your own thing. So it helps in that aspect. On top of it, I mean, so I just looked at the minimum system requirements. And the minimum system requirement for for PUBG is the recommended system requirements for Fortnite. Yep. Like, below that, it literally says, go to your grocery store, pick up a <laughs> potato, and that's it, right? So it, it's just – that shows you the, the difference in terms of just optimization and just the performance of, of the games. Now, we I mean, we can't just say Fortnite runs beautifully and it's bug-free. No, it definitely has its problems. A lot of people are complaining about certain aspects of it, of the game still going on, not being fixed. Yep. But they're not as game-breaking as what PUBG had. And PUBG had a ton of cheating involved, too. Yep. It took them forever to get in, that under control. And I think that actually probably hurt them more than anything because that was a game that you, you get really invested into it because it is realistic, mm-hmm. more so than joking around in Fortnite. And when you get screwed over by a, a cheater, you're, it sucks. It's even, It makes you more frustrated. And what are you going to do? Oh, here's a free Fortnite game I can just try out. And yeah. it just takes people over. And that's another good point, right? The business model here is very different. $30 for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, free for Fortnite. They both have microtransaction models. They'll be, like, to be fair... I find Fortnite's far more digestible than what you get with PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and the weird like crate oh, key man. system. It's like literally the that, worst designed microtransaction model I've ever seen. It's like somebody uh, yeah. somebody left high res that worked on the horrible Cards Unbound thing for Paladins and they moved off to Blue Hole and implemented another shitty system in this it, game. It's it's supposed to be around similar stuff to like CS:GO and have the Steam marketplace trading and all that different stuff. But you know what I've actually found is just like oh here's a couple items I want I can buy them for thirty cents a piece or whatever on the Steam marketplace and just have them added to my account and I'm good like why would I buy crates when I could just literally buy the item I want and there's no there's a couple items that are yeah more expensive like ten dollars <laughs> it's like what a dollar ninety nine a key at times like, it's that's two fifty a key right now which is crazy is it really yeah oh yeah it is two fifty yeah yeah. So I don't, it's know. Just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's a weird system, and, and their stuff doesn't look great. Like, no. There's no John Wick skins. No, and that's the other thing too. Like the the art style just plays into it, and the microtransactions are so like you can buy stuff if you want to buy stuff. You can do your V Bucks thing. We've talked about in the past. Like V Bucks has become like as you know prolific in the gaming circles as Bitcoin is with all the douchebags. So like there's there's a lot of people talking about V Bucks. There's also the fact that this battle pass concept, which they certainly did not invent. But they have perfected it to the point where other games are now going back and copying their Battle Pass setups off of Fortnite's. It makes a lot of sense. You get multiple tiers. You can see the rewards you're already going to get, and that entices you. And they put a really sweet one at the end, like the John Wick skin. You get the ability to buy your way up. Like it's, and none of it is play. None of it's pay to win. It's all cosmetic, which is good. And the cosmetic part just plays into the path of fun of the game. It's amazing. Like, you'll see these bumps in the game when a skin comes out. Like, not a, not like in MOBA where, like, a new champion or a new hero comes out. Literally, just a skin can spike, like, huge numbers on Twitch because people just want to see the silly stuff someone's going to do in the tomato head skin. Right. Like, yeah. It's... You know, you know, here's what PUBG needs to do to fix things. Aside from fix the bugs and make it actually run on computers. Uh, is... Uh, they should sue. 
They should just sue the <laughs> pants off of. Maybe in South Korea? I hear that's a good place. To yeah, go. just, you know, throw it out there. That's like that's like threatening like a, a three-year-old with like, hey, if you don't eat dinner, you will be hungry. And they're like, whatever. Uh-huh. There's food tomorrow. If you don't eat now, you'll have to go to your room. Oh, no, with all my toys? What a horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> exactly. That's that's better, yeah. PUBG's like, better. well, if you don't pay twenty nine ninety nine, you can't deal with the super buggy experience, and you'll have to go find a free-to-play game that's better. Well, yeah. And that's even I mean they had a lot of they had a lot of things a lot of things it, especially when you pay 30 bucks to play a game where you get screwed over by people cheating that's even more of a pain in the butt but you know what's interesting though is that uh, PUBG Mobile is like super huge in China like yep enormous like I, I was watching tournaments of that on some I can't remember the name of the streaming platform. <laughs> Whatever it's called uh, in China. it's a Chinese streaming platform. Yeah, I, I could I not again, Twitch. It's all in Chinese, but it was it's crazy to see what people do. Like I, I got arthritis just watching them play. <laughs> so it's in a weird state. You know, it's lost a good percentage of its actual players, which means not only is it losing players, but it's also having a hard time covering up that churn with new players. It's going to be hard when your game is thirty bucks compared to free. When your microtransaction model is a little punishing. When you're sitting at mostly negative recent reviews and mixed all reviews out of hundreds of thousands on Steam. So if I'm just like discovering this for the first time, I don't. The genre will slowly decay, just like we saw with MOBAs, just like we saw with MMOs. But Pillar Unknown's Battlegrounds does not come back from this. Like I don't think they're going to die, and I don't think like I don't get that extreme. But do they catch Fortnite? I I, I think I think it's the time has already passed. I think I think they'll go free free to play and figure out their their model more. Like they'll 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 have to they'll have to at least drop price. They'll figure out some something because, I mean, from the beginning, their uh, their model in terms of like what you're buying has just sucked. <laughs> it's just it's just the items and, and how do you how you can do it. You have to like hop out of the client and buy buy stuff half the time. It may be fixed now, but for the longest time, you had to buy keys on Steam in the Steam client and then hop back into the game, which read how many keys you had in the Steam client, and then it's just like ah, this is so annoying. Um, but yeah, I, I can it come back? I don't. I don't. It's never going to hit that peak again. Not for some some a very long time. Not, they would have to one have a really good esports community, which still is having problems, right? Yep. And then they would also have to have um, a lot of things fixed. It, will they stabilize? I think so, but I don't think they come back. No, and I they, think- they will never overtake Fortnite. At this point, no, and Fortnite, I think, and why are we talking about this on an esports show, right? I think what this boils down to is Fortnite is our best shot at this genre landing as a top tier esport. I think Player Knows right. Battlegrounds is certainly better than what you see out of the H1Z1 games that we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, but overall, it's never going to get to the point. Where because it would have already gotten there. Fortnite again, they throw out a bunch of money. They're moving faster on the scene. They we we've heard there's a lot of hyperbole flying around, but behind that hyperbole is a lot of organizations either scouting players or signing players for Fortnite. And when's the last time you read about a major organization dipping into player unknowns battlegrounds recently? Well, I mean, a lot of them already kind of jumped in. But the other thing too to think of is the games play similarly, right? And so you have a lot of teams that are being signed on for PUBG that could almost flip-flop and go over to Fortnite. Now, I know they're not exactly the same. It's not entirely the same issue. But what happened with PUBG is uh, we saw originally that people like like TSM jumped in, bought bought some players or signed on some players, bought them, whatever. <laughs> Just, is that the um, Premier League? Signed on some players. 
and basically used the fact that they, you know, they were tied into like streaming deals and, and some of these kind of show tournaments, whatever you want to call them. And and so they they had a team, but there's no actual there is no actual esports hardcore thing going yep. on with PUBG. There's still nothing with Fortnite. So when teams are signing it, it's mostly a a content uh, creation type of content situation. creation yep. deal, largely and marketing piece. It's they're they're trying to secure assets for when they're when there's actual competition, but also get their name out there. And it worked well for like TSM. They had a really good team. They they kept ranking high. They were number like the number one at all, any given time. But like. They weren't like dominating, but they were definitely contenders. They would take number one, number five, top five. Mm-hmm. But makes sense. But they're also now just content creators for a game that is losing audience on Twitch rapidly. And if and, an esport doesn't spin up soon, how long do you hold on to those assets? Yeah, and, and also like, could you not just take that same team and throw it into Fortnite and let them compete and see how they do? Like it's that's saying it's one hundred percent transferable, but it's close enough. I mean, it's a start. I mean, if you're tsm does it matter do you say hey change change because like i know that with um with some of the people like with tsm the deal was like we don't care what you stream we just want you to keep uh keep active in the the pubg community whatever it may be right so it could be the same thing like we want you to stream pubg and Fortnite, but keep active in both whatever like they can make those demands right and it's been about a year since they signed on a lot of the pubg stuff so yeah be interesting to see what happens with those contracts Because you know they were not long term, given the state of the game. There's just like a, a lot of unknown no, around no. the esports scene. So, <laughs> esports and long term in the same sense. Sorry, no. sorry, sorry. In fact, I don't think pens in esports companies can write larger numbers in one year. I think when we see a two year, you know, it's it's still short term thinking when you see a two year contract and you're like, holy shit, like that's commitment right there. They're going to keep them for an entire season. <laughs> yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Epic say that they were giving like a hundred million in the first year, but it said nothing about year two? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, well, <laughs> that's still- all. It's literally all we have. Yeah, just one year. All done. <sighs> Moving on, let's talk about Dota Two. So we have the we obviously have the international coming up, but after the international, we'll kick off the next season of the Dota Two Pro Circuit. And last year, you and I talked a bit about the changes, as in actually putting some structure around it that Valve did, which was a huge step in the right direction. And they did it in a far more meaningful way than we've seen them step in from a Counter-Strike perspective. Now, we've seen them start to up the ante for the competition, as well as the rules and guidelines that they prescribe to specific major events in Counter-Strike. And it looks like they've learned lessons from that. And we're now going to see that start to show up in the Dota 2 Pro Circuit. So let's talk about some of these changes, because some of these are pretty significant. The first one being, there will be no more hard roster locks. So the roster lock has obviously been part of Dota 2 for years, um, but in 2018, they actually made the rules even tighter. Teams needing to make roster changes after the lock and playing with one sub would earn a reduced amount of points. And any more subs after that, they earn 25% of points. So it was, it was pretty brutal up to that point. And now they're going to allow more movement between the teams, which is something people have been asking for. They can make mid-season changes without there being this concern that is going to have an impact over the percentage of points. Punishing for subs just seems crazy to me. And I, I'm surprised this even got through. But they're, they're making some important changes here that uh, overall are going to be positive for both the user, for the listener audience viewer let's try there we go third word the viewer experience um but they're also going to um make it better for the players make it more competitive like i think it's good to have that extra flexibility because teams that get stuck with somebody that is not doing well will no longer be punished for wanting to swap that person out 
Right. Well, there's according to this, uh, one of the things that they're doing is, uh, you know, if a team plays in a pro circuit event without their official five man roster, the points are are decreased by 40%. So it's not like the 25% before. So it's actually a harsher penalty if you're not playing with your official roster, but your roster is more flexible. Yeah. So you only have to be able to be playing with four of your five registered players. So you have to have a registered player. So you can't just pick up Joe Schmo the day of the event and add him <laughs> in there. I'm like, hey, hey, we, we did it. No, you're going to take a 40%. This person's hit. got a guest spot. <laughs> yeah, right. They're on a trial run, uh, being that uh, they, they got their visa. We didn't have our guy couldn't make it or whatever. You we know, found so, him in the parking lot. It was great. Yeah. So you have to, but again, these are rosters that are generally going into a specific tournament uh, or, or have a, a deadline for when they can be declared. So that after those, those, you can't really make the movement or that's when you kind of come into play. Like, so if it's, you have to be done by say April 1st and then on the, the eighth, you decide to swap someone and still play. You're going to get the reduced forty percent. Yep. If the tournament's like later in the April, whatever the deadline is. So there are some changes there. I, I mean, technically, the the penalty for having being one person down is higher, but you almost shouldn't play with one person down what you would normally do. Like you have to really screw some stuff up within like a three to four week window. It sounds like. And they're also going to limit invitations to the international from this as well. Uh, teams that play with their registered, their invites will be based on their registered roster, which is good. Again, like it's, it's register players, sign enough players, sign the right players, make swaps. But this like, oh, this person's going to sub. This person just came out of nowhere part that has been more prominent in Dota 2 than in some other games because of these rules. Um, seems like they're putting up an even bigger wall to keep that from happening while allowing them flexibility to potentially improve the quality of things. So that's awesome. Um, qualifying points for the international will be associated with registered teams instead of individual players. So teams will designate their five-man roster, but they will be allowed to change those rosters during the course of the season. This goes back to the hard locks. Each player removed from the ro- roster will reduce a team's current point total by 20%. Adding a new player will not earn any additional points. So there's a couple reasons behind why they're doing it this way. It's called the roster apocalypse. Yes, yes. <laughs> For those of you that do not follow. Um, now, that can still happen at the end of the season, but I think they are definitely trying to create mid-season stability for these organizations and keeping things from like for example like a bunch of shifting happening before the international like they're definitely very interested in these rules are very skewed to protect the integrity of the international above everything else like there's obviously this rolls back into the majors and the minors but generally speaking the international is really what they care about the most so a lot of these rules either have extra punishment or have rules specifically tuned to locking in the roster and who can participate in the international itself? And here's here's a little bit of a question: Do you feel that these uh, these changes are taking power away from players or giving more to them? Because when you when they talk about uh, the point penalty for playing with incomplete rosters, they say when playing with a uh, a, a team, essentially, um, sorry, a team's admin can remove any player from a registered roster, and any player can choose to depart. Mm-hmm. So that's not talking necessarily about contracts but it is almost contracts. telling them that the, you know what i mean like it, it it almost is it's kind of like a weird wording that they say that any player can choose to depart and so i think but, the, but I th- also but also when you lose a player you lose a percentage mm-hmm. right and if you when you gain when you grab someone you're not gaining anything from that so they don't carry anything with them correct but there's always the threat that like well i can leave and then you'll lose points 
Yes. The, so it's interesting. What, what I do like about this is that it is tied to the team's current point total. But yes, there is some power in guy number five saying, F this, I'm out, unless you do X, Y, and Z for me. And then they're like, crap, depending on what point that happens in the season, that could be pretty right. punishing. So it does yeah. put a lot of power. Now, in the end, to have your qualification ruined by a player leaving or multiple players leaving does put a lot of power in the player's hands. That being said, because they don't carry anything with them, if your ultimate goal is to be good at Dota, playing the international, like yeah, it's not the smartest move if you go off to another team because that team will have to make a spot for you. So they will likely lose a percentage. You're not bringing anything with them. And unless you are in a significantly better position, you're hurting that team you're going to as much as the team that you are leaving. Yeah, well, unless that team needs someone, right? Like, there, there's that. But also, if you're leaving and that team is dropping points because of you leaving, is anybody in, like, you're leaving on a, a time in which it it actually screws over your old team. Who wants to pick up that person? Right. 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 <laughs> like, do you want to pick up a little liability? You, you are giving uh, the esports community a lot of credit for having scruples though. Right. True. True. <laughs> but I, I just, have you followed I'm, the Overwatch I'm wondering, this I'm wondering if this it will end up coming into play and, and become a lot of drama in the future. It's tough because you want to give players the, some power, right? And you want to give, uh, but you also want to protect the teams because you're also protecting the other players at that point. Because if you're four of the five and that other person leaves and you get screwed out of it, it, the international invite because someone chose to depart, um, that's, it, it, it sucks, right? Like It sucks for you because you've worked all very, very hard for that. So there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of finessing and there's a lot of loopholes and problems and whatever no matter what solution there is that comes up um I, I, but someone's I gonna figure of, out a way yeah it's just it's sticky i just i see that i see this being problematic in the future i i could say this about anything really when it well comes i was to gonna sports. say this like, could be the current state and we could write how it was yeah. and that's the new thing be like, oh this is all horrible so in general yeah. it feels like an improvement there's a few more things in here that we've talked about in Counter-Strike, but are now also coming to Dota 2, which is team ownership and direct invitation rules are changing. One organization or person, if they have ownership in multiple teams, only one of those teams will be eligible to compete in the international, regardless of DPC qualifying points. So this means, and this is fairly rampant in Dota 2, that you get these organizations that often own multiple teams, and this is far more of a direct obvious thing, right? This is not your Counter-Strike, like, can you follow the money and figure out, like, what higher-level business owns all these things. These are often literally the same organization owning multiple teams that are competing. You see this even in just the China Super Pro that just, or, sorry, the Super Major that just happened this past weekend. Like, there were multiple teams with the same ownership there. And if those teams are both sitting at the top, only one of them is going to get to go to the international. And that has both positives and negatives, right? Like, it could potentially bring the quality of play down because these are some of the top organizations in Dota. It does, however, open up the possibility for other ownership groups to get in and actually be able to make money from Dota because they will get in at that opportunity at prize money in the international, which tends to be pretty massive. But it's only for the international, meaning these teams can continue to do whatever the hell they want through the minors and the majors. Yeah. And then 
just figure out which best team to go. Now the roster locks will punish them so to if they want to switch up teams, you know, players between the teams. So that's not going to be something we need to worry about. But still, like it's good. But as when we talk about when a league expands, you got to be very careful how quickly you could dilute your talent pool. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, it, it, I will believe it when I see Valve enforce any of it. Right. Like that's that's really the big question too. Is like. Does this mean Valve is actually going to require looking at books in any way, shape, or form? I mean, that's Valve. I I can't think of any instance, uh, especially in recent times, in which Valve has come down hard on anybody for multiple team ownership. I know they've started with CS:GO. They say this, that, and the other. You can't have any whatever it may be, but they're they're very vague in a lot of those terms. And also, in all honesty, uh, this these teams. The reason why they have own multiples is because you know it, it's. You, you're throwing more chances at winning that huge pot of money on the international. Yep. So it makes financial sense to own multiple teams and have multiple chances at it. So in, in doing so, now you're restricting the number of teams you can you can do it with, which is a good thing. Maybe it means more people will get teams, like you said, or it may maybe it just means more money will be hidden and the same owners will still own the same amount of teams. It'll start looking just, just like Counter Strike. Right? Like follow yeah. the money. They're going to need Robert It'll Mueller to come get... around and figure out where they're. Uh... <laughs> Where are the money's hidden? It's a witch hunt. Witch no, hunt. No, we just want to figure out who owns this Dota team. <laughs> you are unpatriotic, sir. I do not appreciate so, it. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. And then a couple other changes of note. Uh, the minors and the majors will now be played with no direct invites. So people will have to earn their way in, and they'll be set up in pairs. So basically, oh, the minor can earn you a qualification to the major, um, which is awesome to see. And then placing well in the majors will make it easier as you go through the next minor one or qualify you for the major depending on where you place so overall positives i mean you and i had a lot to say last year when they added this in general like increasing the amount of majors and minors making things a lot more official like giving the entire season a structure and uh, this overall as a body of changes feels like further refinement on that it is still not humming along like the lcs system but they are making progress. The schedule is pretty well known. We know where things are going to happen. We know how the majors and the minors are going to play out. And that finally gives Dota this like feeling of something to go watch. And not because I'm not interested in the game, but like you and I talk about all the time, it's really hard to follow Dota if you're not super tapped into the scene. You're not just like, yeah. I know it's, this event happens every week or this happens at this time every year. <laughs> like you, None of that. It's literally like, uh, do they only play the international? Because I really have no other t- idea when Dota gets played. And this is a nice yeah. positive change in general. I, I think the no no invite specifics, yeah, you know, because before you had like the fan favorites, they would get voted on which teams get thrown in there, yep. which kind of sucks, right? Because it, it's always Navi, right? <laughs> because the, <laughs> I know. It really is. It's like, okay, the uh, Navi and who else gets invited kind of thing. Um it's largely because they just did the documentary on them. And so um, at that point in time, it's like, it's, well, that's totally not fair. Just it's give like, them hey, an auto invite forever. Yeah, yeah. We're just like, it's just like having like a NFL playoffs and, and somebody gets voted in, even though they have like an 0 and 12 record or something, 0 and 16 record. I don't know how, 0 and 17. I don't know how many games are played in football anymore. Uh, but, <laughs> anyways, I'm sure I can throw a football. <laughs> but, anyways, I have a friend uh, who plays football. Yeah. I'm showing how sport, how, how big into the uh, the ball sports that I be. Well, well um, everyone's no, no. I don't know why I'm, I should just shut up. Okay, you're done talking. So those are the okay. <laughs> when we get to ball sports, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> In fact, I think with, with ball sports, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by Cheyenne Tamayo to talk not about balls. 
but about the FGC. There's a super awesome event coming up for E3 that kind of tickles my fancy because it combines the fighting game community and wrestling, which, you know, my two favorite things. So we'll be back in a moment. And we're back. And we actually have a special guest. I have uh, sent Seven off to restock the beer, and we are joined by body count finding Cheyenne Mayo. Cheyenne, thank you so much for coming on the show. Ah, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited. You, you have one special thing that you've done. We did not talk about this, but you have one special thing that you've done that I'm incredibly jealous of. You have played video games with Austin Creed, and anyone who <laughs> knows me knows how much it hurts my soul that others get to do that, but I have not done it yet. <laughs> man dude austin was a lot of fun to play with i mean i'm sure just um just starting from that you sound like a wrestling fan just like me yes so, so like the marking was so hard to fight oh god like i'd be sitting next <laughs> to him i was like i don't know what to, i would be speechless like i don't usually get starstruck but for some reason he would be and i haven't even met him the worst part is i've always seemed to be in conventions he's at but he has like this entourage yeah. and he's impossible to get anywhere near it's <laughs> Yeah, anyway. but once you do get close to him, he's like really nice. I've heard nothing like, he but great things about him. him. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh man, now you're just making me more jealous. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about my wrestling and video game obsession. We are here to talk about body count fighting in the FGC. So we've got yes. E3 coming up in the next few days. God, man, time. I know it's insane. Uh, and there's a lot going to be going on there. But one thing in particular that is be going on is BCF six. Why don't you tell our listeners who are not familiar with BCF in general, like what exactly they're about to get into? So, uh, which is great because it definitely connects with you. So basically body count fighting is a channel where we mix the FGC with the likes of USC, UFC and WWE. So what we do is we bring, we curate these matches where we have players come in and uh, there's stakes on the line for them, but we, you know, curate some of them. So it's like a fight card, like what you see in UFC. It's like we, take some of the best players you'd find around the esports, you know, in Dragon Ball Fighters and Justice 2, Street Fighter 5, Tekken 7. And, like, we have them play against each other. Some even compete for title belts that are big championship belts that look like you would find in the WWE or UFC, which is pretty awesome. I think we need – I just need to have one. I don't even know what I'm going to be the champion of, but when I was watching <laughs> the trailer, I'm like, why don't I have a championship belt? Like, I feel like I deserve one. It should. I mean, you should, uh, while, while dude's grabbing the beer, you should have him just grab you a belt. You know? <laughs> Can you grab me a belt while you're at it? He won't be yeah. back for at least an hour then. <laughs> so let's talk a bit more about this card because you talked about it is curated. Uh, we're going to see some Dragon Ball Fighters mat- matches. We're going to see some Street Fighter Five matches as well as Injustice 2. Uh, let's start off with this exhibition match because this is, you know, we've talked a lot in the show on the past about how celebrity is just like really permeating within the esports space but the fgc has always uniquely ha- tapped into certain parts of celebrity long before it became a big esports thing if you follow people like austin creed kenny omega yes shocker these are all wrestlers but they also <laughs> like are big into the fgc and that continues to play out with this exhibition match you two have lined up yeah for sure uh the one you're talking about is De'Aaron fox who is point guard for the sacramento kings versus terrell owens who is known for his on-field shenanigans, but is also voted into the Hall of Fame this year, hoping he gets in uh, because T.O. is one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. And uh, to your point, you know, these De'Aaron Fox especially, um, he's so young. Dude is only 20 years old. 
crazy. And he it? is, yeah, 20 years old. He's a point guard in for the Sacramento Kings. It's insane. And he, uh, he's been a big advocate for Dragon Ball Fighters even before it came out. I mean, dude started a Twitch channel just to play the game. And like he's been very he's been very like active in the game and in the community. So we're excited to give him a chance. And it's kind of like old school versus new school, you know. To I mean, you mentioned a story earlier about he likes to play FIFA and he's pretty much just good at sports games. So it's going to be fun to see him go into the Dragon Ball Fighters realm. Plus, he's got to bring some of those shenanigans, right? Like you can't have this in a ring and have yeah. To there without something ridiculous happening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this. I mean, the event. Uh, I should mention before is in a in a fighting ring, we have entrances with like smokes, music, and, and so lasers and stuff. Uh, we have ring announcers and commentators, obviously. And you know who's better at it in the world of sports than Terrell Owens? I'd, be, I'd just watch for that. I don't even need to see him play. Like, let's just see what <laughs> elaborate entrance he comes up with. But, it is really awesome. But that's not all we have, right? This exhibition match is certainly a highlight of the card, but we also have some actual title fights that are taking place as well. Yes. So we've curated some of the best that are in the fighting game community. So currently, for uh, if I go down the card for Injustice 2, we have Scar versus Theo. Uh, Theo is our current BCF champion. And they both play for Team Echo Fox. They're considered some of the best players in the world, like literally top three, if you, I mean, top five at least, when you include the likes of Sonic Fox, who anyone who knows about the FGC has heard that name at least once. Uh, And then for the Street Fighter V match, we have Phenom versus Smug. Smug is one of the top players in the U.S., uh, an amazing Balrog player, dude. And no matter what, even with the nerfs that Balrog got in Season 3, he still performs very well. And in this BCF, we partnered with Gfinity, who does a lot of tournaments in Europe that, that like, team, like, team Europe's, like, team uh, Envious and Solomon, like, they have their mm-hmm. own teams. Phenom is one of them. He won their last Gfinity series. He won it came in second. But GFIN, we're partnering with GFINIT where they're flying him out. So it's a little EU versus NA kind of action, which we don't see a lot, especially when it comes to exhibition or title matches that yep. we have. Because, you know, usually in, usually in the FGC, it's all tournaments. So you'll be lucky if you see a matchup, unless it's like two of the top players in the game that just never lose. It's very unlikely you see certain matches. So this one I'm bringing to you. And uh, the next one is Super Noon versus The Kill Sage. Uh, the Kill Sage is our current Dragon Ball Fighters champion, who is one of the best and up and coming Dragon Ball Fighters players. Um, to win the title, he defeated Perfect Legend, who, if anyone after seen knows, is a three time Evo champion, like back to back. Like he won two Evos back to back. And dude is like he's a legend in his name itself. He's a legend, and Sage beat him for the title. Also, to kill Sage is one of is the first person besides Goichi to defeat Sonic Fox in Dragon Ball Fighters. No, in the tournament setting, anyway. Yeah, no, it's and, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Like I've been looking at the talent, even just what you've talked about. There's some really cool storylines there. Like a lot of people are very familiar with Smug, especially you know he had a good run at E League last year. Um, yep. But also something that's interesting between Scar and Theo is Scar actually took Theo out at Combo Breaker a few weeks ago. So yeah. there, there's some stuff going on between those two. Yeah, of course, Theo has been uh, kind of splitting his time between Dragon Ball Fighters and Injustice. 
And the great thing about Theo is that he's someone who doesn't like to rest on his laurels. He he already recognizes that. He openly admitted that he needs to work on Injustice for this match because he wants to keep it. Because the other thing, too, about these title matches is aside from winning that big shiny belt, this is the first time we're actually offering prize money to the winner as well. So along with the belt, the winner will also go home with $2,500, which is 2500 to break it down. <laughs> uh, they also get, they're also, also going to us a nice... Nice prize pool just for one match, but it's gonna it's not gonna be easy. Yeah, but, but you're gonna see Terrell Owens do an entrance, so isn't that worth the price of admission alone? Oh, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> that alone is price is worth it. But also, like what you mentioned, we also have uh, some good, really good matchups here. Like we go through a little more is we have Cloud 805 versus Hook Gang God. Those two, well, I, I gotta say his name properly, Hook Gang God. There you go. There you go. <laughs> These two are the top online players and some of the best players. They're actually both going to be competing at the that the uh, tournament of the summit tournament that's happening the weekend before BCF. Like Cloud was voted in and Hooking God won a tournament to qualify. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Guilty versus Low Tier God. That one. This one's actually funny. Uh, Low Tier God is one of the most popular slash notorious. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd use the word popular. He, he's infamous. popular and he's exact, yeah, infamous. He's he's a really good heel, to say the least. Yes, he is. <laughs> and uh guilty uh actually like tried to call Otier God out on E-League, which was on TBS uh not too long ago. And Guilty, like, she actually tweeted about wanting to play him and tagged us in it. So she called for this match, and we're giving it to her because this one promises to be good because LTG, for what, it, what it's worth, he knows how to play the camera, similar to T.O. I'm sure he's going to learn some stuff from T.O. <laughs> and Eric C. versus Commander Jesse is another one we'll talk about because Commander Jesse, we've had our eye on for a really long time. Like He's he's one of like true homies of body count fighting. Like We even have a documentary about him on our channel that we, that we shot before we even started. And dude is an up and comer. Like he's been killing it and he's starting to travel more and he's doing very well in these majors that he attends. And then Eric C is a guy who won our online tournament back in December. So this is a dude that was well known in FGC as well, but couldn't travel as much because he's from like the middle of nowhere in Illinois. Yeah. Like he's like an hour away from the closest airport. Like he's just far. So he doesn't get to travel much. And we brought him out to LA the first time early this year and he's just won match after match. So now him and Commander Jesse, who Commander Jesse was our first BCF champion, they're playing for a number one contenders match to place the, to play the winner of Phenom and Smug. Very, very cool. I, I want to talk a little bit about the choice of games here because one thing that we talk a lot about on the show that still like just baffles me, and not in that I don't understand it, but just how crazy it is, is how Dragon Ball Fighters has come out of not nowhere, but I don't think anybody could have anticipated the popularity that it has. I believe it is leading the Evo vote or led the Evo voting by like oh, tens yeah, of incredibly. percent, like just an incredible amount for the Evo voting. And we knew that when Capcom, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite came out, Ugh. that there was, yes, I hate, sorry, sore <laughs> subject, but that meant that there was going to be a gap here, right? Like there was, there was this whole crowd that, that just hungered for that old school anime style tag fighter that they were just not getting. And out of nowhere, Arc System Works comes along and gives us what we never knew that we wanted. And here we are now where it's like, it's dominating the scene to a degree that we haven't seen since Street Fighter. Yeah, of course. I mean, to put it in perspective, too, not even just out 
outdoing the entrance for Evo, but it did for Combo Breaker as well, which was a couple weekends ago and or last weekend. And what was insane about it is that not only did it have the most entrance, but it went on last because it deserved that. Yep. And that's over a Capcom Pro Tour stop, which no one like that never like gets beat. And it got beat by by Dragon Ball Fighters, which is insane. It, it it speaks a lot to the quality of the game and the source material. Like you could not have like short of this being a wrestling themed fighting game. Like that's about the only way this could get any nerdier and more a perfect fit for the FGC. So that's been absolutely crazy to see. But I'm super stoked about it. But I'm also excited to see Injustice Two represented. I feel like. The NetherRealm games sometimes get a bit of a short shrift, and it's awesome to see that you guys are included in Justice 2 as part of this event. Oh, yeah, we love Injustice 2. I mean, we are a part of Machinima, is, who is owned by Warner Brothers, so we have to show love to our native IPs, first of all. And second of all, it's just a fun game to look at. I mean, any RS game is fun to watch. I mean, you can't tell me you, you can't turn on any random Mortal Kombat and not be excited for a fatality. Yep. Or to say when Injustice gets to see all these different... All these different superheroes duke it out. Like it's 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 a fun game to watch and we love to represent it. We did take a break from it last one and we're taking and that game is missing from this one. So like there's a lot of there's a lot of games that we would love to represent. But unfortunately there's just not enough time. It's like every tournament, right? Like everybody gets on every turn for leaving that one game off, no matter how big the tournament is. Yeah, exactly. Like we uh like last time we had Tekken Seven in place of Injustice Two. And, uh, you know, right now we got to ride the hot hand. Street Fighter's always going to be hot, and Dragon Ball Fighters, like you mentioned. I mean, that IP, the visuals, they're just amazing. And a solid game. A solid Dragon Ball game to boot. People were like, oh, Budokai was a good fighting game. No, it wasn't. Stop. Oh, God, here we go. Uh, stop. <laughs> it wasn't. But, uh, yeah, Injustice 2, we, we love the game. Like, we had so much fun with it. And they get so much great developer support. I mean, like, Ed Boon retweeted uh, our announcement for Injustice 2. So that alone shows how much he's excited for. I mean, he showed up, him and Tyler Lansdowne showed up for Combo Breaker, which is insane. Like, they are there. Like, they, they show so much support and love for the scene. So it's no reason not to give it back. No, no, it goes a long way. And like you said, almost anybody that's due to the FGC, they see something like Injustice. That seems to be the game that grabs them. It's kind of crazy. Like, I think yeah. for, for outsiders, so to speak, like, they look at Street Fighter, they look at Dragon Ball, sometimes they have no idea what's going on. They watch Injustice 2, like, oh, it's such a beautiful game. Like, so much fun <laughs> to watch. So it yeah. is definitely, I mean, we saw this happen when E-League went with it, right? Like, they, they actually <laughs> saw bigger numbers than they expected because it just grabs that audience that isn't maybe a traditional FGC fan. And that's, you know, that goes a long way for the scene. We always like to add people to the FGC. Yeah, of course. That's all it's about. It's making it grow, which is why we're doing an event like this. Because like I mentioned, uh, tournaments are very long. They're all, they're literally a whole weekend. And top eight is like four hours. Like it can, it can run really long. Oh, yeah. So which is why we decided to like just give you one night, some of the best players we can get, and just have fun with it. Like that's what it's all, that's what FGC is all about. It's all about having fun, which is why we also allow our players to do promos. So that so we bring them in, they cut promos in between where they can talk trash, and a lot of them embrace it. And so some of them it takes a little bit to get off because they're like, oh shucks, but I like my I like him. He's my friend. It's like, yeah, that's even more reason to talk trash. Exactly. Like you got to give a good promo. You got to nail the wrestling side of things. Just saying. exactly. So this all sounds awesome. Where can I go if I want to check it out? So uh, it will be streaming live on twitch.tv slash bcfighting uh, Tuesday, June 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific. Now, if you are in the Los Angeles area, we have a couple of places for you to go. 
So doors open at four o'clock for both places. Event starts at five. So it ha- so at the Tom's Urban Plaza, which is across the street from E3. So if you're attending E3 and you want to go to a nice little after party, it's free. There's free food, free drinks. There's even alcohol if some of you guys are old enough. And uh, at the Tom's Urban Plaza, that's where we're going to hold Darren Fox versus Terrell Owens. That's going to be where the exhibition match goes. Okay. And the rest of the night will be in Machinima Studios in Burbank, California. Once again, free entrance, free food, free drinks, and just come have a good time. We uh, The tickets are available on Eventbrite. Like I said, they're free. It's just a matter of us to get a good head count so we know how much to prepare with. And that's where you want to buy your tickets in. Like I said, who doesn't like free? Who doesn't like free food, free drinks, and a good time? And the FGC, which is exactly all you really need. Well, Cheyenne, thank <laughs> you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on to talk about it. We are going to take a quick break. Seven will hopefully be back with the beer. We're going to talk a little H1Z1. We're really going to need that beer. <laughs> And we're back, and we've been rebeard, which is good. Beard? I didn't even have a beer. I sent I sent you off to get beer. You don't know this yet, but when you go back and listen to the show, you were you were getting beer. I was. I was tasked. Yeah. All I heard was we're not going to talk about balls, or we are, or whatever it may be. And then, well, clearly you didn't think we were. You would have shown I up. Was, so the the irony is before you cut it to break, I was going to say, and I'm not even drinking, and I'm just this <laughs> awful right now. I have no excuses. Well, it's a good thing we rebeard because we have to talk a little bit about the Overwatch League. Uh, a couple of interesting updates. I think the first thing to talk about is that the Overwatch League finals is sold out. It took about two weeks. Two weeks. But I'm honestly a little surprised, and. I'm actually a little surprised. I did not think that that would happen. I New York City obviously makes it easy. The Barclays Center is a beautiful arena. A lot of major events are held there. It's a great. It's actually a really good first venue for them. That being said, I just I don't know. I just thought this would be this thing that tickets are always available for, and like they would they would get close to filling it. But I'll be interested to see what it actually looks like when you get there. Like there is nothing quite like walking into a League of Legends Worlds or the International and just the amount of people and they're packed wall to wall and they're loud and we'll see if yeah. that ends up being what Overwatch League looks like. But still, kudos to them. Sell out in two weeks. That's that's pretty damn good. A lot of people traveling, I imagine. I'm sure so I'm sure somebody was sweating it for those two weeks too. Right? I would be. Like Yeah. No, no, I mean I think I think you are. I think even when people uh, you know, host a, a Valve like CSGO major, like they they sweat it the entire time, like, oh, man, tickets have got to sell out. Because you, in this case, you you want to pack Barclays so you can actually get the money from all that. And two, also be able to say, hey, we sold out and, and, and in this fast. And in, in a fast. real arena, right? This isn't like the right. Burbank Esports Arena. <laughs> right. 175 people sold out in two weeks. Like, oh, good job. No, yes. it's, it's twenty grand or 20000 Yeah. It's cool. It's a lot. And those, they had a couple different tiers of tickets, and they sold out of those, like, I forget what they called it. It was, like, GM or something. Where yeah, like you, And we, I don't even know what the hell was in those things. But people were like, yeah, I'll pay you extra money for that because there's probably some unicorn. swag. Oh, man, did I miss out on a unicorn? A John Wick skin. Oh, God. John Wick's wearing a unicorn <laughs> horn. That'd be, that'd be awesome. In other Overwatch League news or in Overwatch news, XQC is making his uh, potential comeback to professional Overwatch play as he has been invited once again, and this is largely the same roster that finished second last year, but he's been invited back to play for Team Canada in the Overwatch World Cup. 
Brace yourselves, Jack in the Box. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it's fine. It's not like he's barred from the league. Uh, he's just barred from owners in general, just not wanting a liability. Yeah, when say that to like, Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> all right? Right, wanting to have someone who's going to actually be play or be playing and not be banned for ninety percent of the actual time. So, no, it's cool. I, everybody's trying to make this out to be like a, a huge thing, like oh, he's coming back. And I'm like, well, technically, any any other team could have picked him up, but maybe we'll get like a, to. like a Michael Udall non-retirement retirement video out of him. Like if he trolled Michael Udall's, I'm back teaser <laughs> that he did. I would love XQC forever. XQC, if you are listening to the show. Please do that. That would just, it would make my day. And you want to make my day because you don't even know who I am. Oh, it's probably better that way. It probably <laughs> is. Joking. We talk Anyways, about balls. I, I, don't, I don't see why this is like super huge in news. Like, I think it's cool that he's it. back. Can we say I, that? I do. I mean, were we, was there a question whether or not he get voted back in? I don't, I don't so. know. Like, I, he's a controver- he is controversial no matter how you slice it. And yeah. there's probably a reason well, he hasn't been picked up. For some reason, I didn't realize he was Canadian. And so now I, I think if you're an owner, that's even more of a liability that he won't do something stupid in the States and get booted out <laughs> of the country. So now that's even probably another thing against like now everybody knows he's Canadian. And I didn't know it before. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't know it. <laughs> it's qual- quality reporting here on uh, Nerf This. I'm just joking, man. <laughs> and, and in the world of uh, controversial statements, apparently Shanghai Dragons have the greatest fans. Did you know that? Well, yeah. They, 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 they had the first appearance, and I don't know that this is necessarily a positive, but they had the first appearance of cheerleaders in the Overwatch League were responsible. That worked well for the XFL. Yeah, clearly. Well, they're coming back. They are making a comeback. I hear that every year. So, <laughs> so, are, the, so are the Shanghai Dragons. <laughs> the, they're going to win one. No, it was funny because, uh, um, and I had to look up who this was now that I saw who it was. So Jimmy O. Yang, who plays the... Um, like Asian roommate that won't give up the house in Silicon Valley. Jin Yang, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, whatever. I don't watch the show. That's his name, Jin Yang. Okay, there you go. So wait, but his name's Jimmy O Yang, so he didn't really have right. To they, wow, they, they really he never it. screws up his lines. Um, right. Anyway, he was like they made a big deal because celebrity to Overwatch League and whatnot, and he says they don't even need to win. Everybody just loves them anyway. It's okay not to win. Are are they well, are they a story at zero and forty and not a story at one and thirty nine? Is that like everybody's fear now? Like now you almost have to not win. I I I think I think if you win one this stage, then you're setting expectations too high for next <laughs> season. No, I'm just, like, but there's going to be six <laughs> other crappy teams to dilute the talent pool between now and then. Oh, man, I think he. I don't even know. I. It's not like you, they have a, like a draft and you get a better draft at this in this case. So no, yeah, those teams uh, potentially could be worse. Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean they could, but you got a better chance next year. I, I feel like it. You, it's if you if you lose out, there's no way but up, right? Yeah, just and lose then, out. But next season, if you if you win one now, next season you're going to be expected to win at least one. It's right? a cooler story, so in my opinion. Why, why pressure yourself? <laughs> Well, I had that and people will remember zero and forty, and you will always hold that record. You went. You, you, all people can do is tie with zero wins. So that is your surefire way into the record book. If you are one in thirty nine, that means that somebody could come along and get zero and be a bigger story than you. And then what also, will Jimmy X- O Yang do? XQC is available. He's free agent. <laughs> he will fight a team next year if he wants to play because the quality of Overwatch League players 
is going to tip off significantly if we add six more teams. I, I would not be surprised if he does. I would also not be surprised if uh, they, I don't know, duct tape his mouth. Like, <laughs> you've got to do something. Take it, it, take away his ability to use a keyboard outside of playing. There we go. They, they literally just like Hannibal Lecter him when he's not playing. Just roll him around. He doesn't, he, here <laughs> it is. He doesn't get any of the money until after the season's over, and he has to play every game, or he doesn't get paid. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I would never sign up for that. Otherwise, he has to go to his room. <laughs> he has to go to his room and play Overwatch. Yeah. Anywho, wrap up the show. We'll talk a little bit about Fortnite esports. So we've talked a lot about how Fortnite has gotten here. We've talked about the millions and millions and millions of dollars that his Epic has thrown out there for one season of Fortnite. You and I have a lot of opinions about what has gone poorly in this genre. So I'm going to task the two of us in the next 20 minutes or so to design better Fortnite esports. Oh man, what? Yep. What? You didn't prep me for ah, this. Ah, see? This is this is the secret because I want I want you to brainstorm. So H1Z1 is the closest we have to an actual league, there's an H1Z1 Pro League that takes place, that is the closest to an actual league that is going in this genre at the moment that you could consider esports, right? We've also seen the strange yet you love it so much format <laughs> that PUBG participated in that was like impossible to follow. But to give you a refresher, so the H1Z1 Pro League gives one point per kill. If a team survives to the end, that score is doubled. And then 2nd through 5th place gets a 1.5x multiplier. And a 6th or 10th place gets a 1.25% multiplier or times multiplier. Um, and they play 20 weeks, two, sports, two splits. And that's I don't even know that I could keep track of all of what is going on. I don't know that that's, this feels any less crazy than what we saw from PUBG. That's part of the problem, right? I think, I, I think you get... That's part of the problem we saw with, with PUBG and the fact like you're nobody knows how you win, right? Like you could essentially go from fifth place to first place and win it all if you have like twenty kills, right? Like boom, and everybody beforehand who's getting first place was getting like four, because it's possible to get first place and with one kill, you've got to at least get one, maybe. No, actually you don't, but you still you should probably get one, or your other people shouldn't be playing. Um, so it's a really poor league. If the team uh, survives to the end, your zero score is doubled. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's true. Yeah, I guess so. But the only thing I can think of is there. It, it's tough because it, it's almost as if place means something. Uh, place means something, but it's almost not as important as kills because. If you base it solely on place, people just run and hide, and they don't—they camp, and they, it's not fun to watch. You just kind of sit and watch a guy stare at a toilet for a while, and like you could do that at any bus station, really. Like, <laughs> why do you need to watch it on Twitch? Are you kidding? Um, I live in Portland. I could see that in the middle of a public park. That's true. That's is true. Go anywhere in Seattle, and you probably are finding people becoming human toilets. <laughs> uh, in the parks in the summer i haven't been drinking i'm so glad we have introduced we should enter this is what happens you need the beer to stay normal yeah uh anyways uh but that's a good point right because you do have to balance the two i felt like that the problem with the PUBG model was that it was trying to do that but in such a convoluted way it made it impossible to figure out like what was going on there was no visual representation. I think this is super key. I think you need to have an L bar that goes around the screen and 
has a kill feed across the bottom and has a current ranking of the teams based on points as the match is going on. Have them visually move around as kills and things are happening, highlighted in the kill feed. You are going to have to provide some degree of additional information to make anything we can come up with make sense. Because like you said, you can't just do it on place. Because it's, you're, it's, it's going to get boring, and there has to be a broadcast element to it. Not the saying like the stealth. I play stealth because I suck at, at aiming, <laughs> and I'm not. I don't have a Chinese aimbot to use, so I have to go and hide. But that's to get placed. But it doesn't make for a very interesting match. Now you could say there's enough people in here that not everybody's going to take that model, and both are kind of valid versions. And there, I would listen to that argument to be honest. Like I'd be interested to see what it would look like if you only did it based on place and you made it easier to understand what was going on. And I don't know that necessarily it would devolve into just a bunch of sneaking and hiding. Yes, you would spend a lot of time probably on the same teams who are going out and trying to kill things as opposed to, you know, hiding in an outhouse, but... See, the thing is, is with, with this type of genre, there are a ton of variables, right? And it's not just like the gear, but this, the circle itself is a variable. So... It is quite possible for you to be drop. You drop in the exact spot, and you don't have to move, and you're penalized by that, right? So if you drop where the circle ends up being in the end, the only people you have to fight are the people who came towards you in the end, right? right. You can you can and kind so of you fortify. May only get, yeah, you may only get like four wins or whatever it may be. You're going to move around a lot because you've got to gather stuff, but at the same point in time, like, do you really, you know, how do you do this, right? So, um, and you, you don't want to penalize them because they just, they got lucky, just right? luck of the roll, right? Yeah. Like, and so they're I more likely to place higher because of their positioning if it's purely right. based on place, but they are far less likely to have to kill things and therefore right. they're punished. And that's why I don't like trying, like trying to account for both is hard because it's saying that one version is valid. Like if they're of equal validity, that's fine, but they're not actually, because in the end you can win by not killing anybody. And that's just as valid of a win in my opinion. As and you have to kill at least one person to win, right? So there has to be at least one potential death unless they kill themselves. Um, you know, I, I wonder if this. What if? Um, so this is a little bit of a change up too. But what if the they can't drop together, right? So your players can't drop together, so they're forced to move. They can't just camp, or at least one player is forced to move. So for instance, when you're dropping out of the dropping out in the beginning. There's like a cooldown between members. There's like a, essentially like a cooldown, but like you have one player drop and the other person can't drop. Like it doesn't appear to get the ability to drop for say 10 seconds, 15 seconds, so the, or 30 seconds. So they at least have to start in two different areas. So mm-hmm. you essentially have people having to move and meet up because it's it's in the act of moving towards a place that you generally run into other players. Yep. And so this shows the individual skill a little bit more. It also makes people move around to begin with. And I, I don't know if that's... Really, the like Epic uh, are the people to talk to about this stuff because they, this is what they've been churning on for quite some time. I they've hope been so. trying to figure it out. I'm still convinced I, that this is all just by the seat of their pants. But H1Z1's model isn't horrible. It is something, but as you mentioned before, it's you can't tell. Like the average to the average viewer, you have no idea, right? You're like, okay, this team for them to get first place and win out the entirety of the tournament, they need to get first place. And have ten kills, yep. and this other team has to like has to get four kills and no higher than third place. Like, explain that to anybody, and or be a caster or a host on that desk and try to explain that. Oh, we saw what happened with the like, PUBG Invitational. They literally had no idea what was going on. They, yeah, they said, well, anybody in the top sixteen could win this now. So it's, <laughs> but so it's again, the MLS. That limits. 
that limits the com- competition. Yeah, right. That limits the competition, really, right? It, it, the, the, the weight of that, right? Because yep. you want, like, your final game to be, like, a lot on the line for these groups of people. Not everybody's still playing, still a chance to win. Like, well, why did I watch a weekend if, if it's just the final game determines it all? Now, imagine taking what you just described and spread that over a season where you're not only keeping track of that within an actual weeks, yeah. match, but you're keeping that across 20 weeks. Like, you could go into the last week being like, anybody can win and it's like well that sounds exciting to say but the reality is is that's a very convoluted point system if in the end no matter what happens there's enough there's you know a small enough spread that almost anybody can win like that's right that to me it, feels like you're not accurately determining who is the better team and we saw that like i am oakland last year i believe it was and that's you have uh, just uh a lot of people kind of in the end just any of the top like 12 or 14 teams could win this one and to be like the number seven team won the entire weekend because they did well in the very last match it's like what yeah how did this happen like and and, and the the casters and hosts can't tell you what's going to happen because they they can't figure out the math fast enough (laughs) in the one minute window they have to explain it all yep and they're mostly staring at the part of the screen that they don't actually want to be staring at because people still haven't figured out how to observe the game properly because there's yeah, a million things going on. But that's a set, no. like that's a broadcast problem. But well, that but, but you know it was actually really cool though is what what made the uh, shroud and um, doc thing going on the, this past weekend entertaining was they only had to watch two people, <laughs> right? And that became really entertaining. It went really really well because they only had to watch what two people were doing, and then after that. You just kind of flip over to whoever, and that's about it. Luckily, they did well for the most part. So once they did die, or uh, in the end, like they there was only a handful of people left to watch, which is easier to do. Yep. It's just when there's 100, you're like, huh? It's similar to what we yeah. saw happen with the uh, stuff that Ninja was doing for Fortnite, where it was the whole bounty system. So you just watched right. him and watched to see if he survived or not. Now, yeah. again, that that is show match quality. That is not necessarily eSport quality, and it's hard to turn right. that into a format. Um, but but it's, it's more digestible that way. Yes. And maybe... Maybe there's a weird bounty instead of like an actual all teams, whatever. Maybe it's a bounty system or some sort of weird King of the Hill modification or something of that nature. Where like team team, yeah, the team who wins becomes the bounty for the next one. You kind of follow that. Like man, this is reminding of the of like weird '80s Nickelodeon game shows, but I like it. Like I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a negative thing, but it is like it's that concept of like somebody wins and there's extra for taking that team down or that team. The winner of the previous round has a significant impact on how the next round is played, yeah. and that means you can make them the focal point because there is this challenge beyond what we're describing which is just this broadcastability of it and when you get a game that is hard to visually follow and not the action that is taking place in a single encounter but just like across the map and to understand how what you just saw 30 seconds ago plays into what you just saw now combined with this super convoluted way of determining who wins why yeah. even pay attention yeah yeah would you, you rather just go watch a streamer play game. yeah <laughs> It it is it's tough. Um, I think there are a lot of things that go into how does a, a league work. I think it involves uh, visual storytelling and broadcasting, as well as understanding like how people win. This is and, not going to be a live event yeah. thing, I don't think. And like the actual esports, it's really format. tough to do. Yeah, it's really tough to do. I mean, if you look at the DreamHack setup, like, I think even then they're, they're still not even bringing in like. They're not doing like a full server. They're they're limiting the number of teams because it's just uh, from a technology standpoint, just far too many computers and people and space needed to run an event. Like it's just ridiculous, and you can't. 
It's not like the Hearthstone stuff, which is like bring your own computer because whatever Hearthstone Plays. runs on a phone, right? Yes. Like you don't need a huge setup for it and power. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the RNG piece is also a little bit interesting from a loot standpoint and the circle standpoint and how you right. H1Z1 tries to solve it by saying, oh, well, if we go 20 weeks and two splits, everybody gets a chance to be lucky. Yeah. But that's kind of like slightly arbitrary. But I'd also argue that like, I mean, a lot like we talk about in Hearthstone is like, yep, there's some RNG and yes, it sucks. But I would I would ultimately say the RNG that you'd experience across an entire season in a game like Fortnite, probably not nearly as punishing. Like oh. it. It's yeah. it's yeah you might get unlucky yeah you might get dropped somewhere poorly um, you might not you know your chest that that you get ends up sucking it doesn't have enough cool things in it that happens um, you, but you know one of the things you could also do um, I'm just throw this out here too because Daisy um, back in the day uh, this actually the original mod and I think it's like Sakura was talking about like one of the easiest ways that people can level or level themselves up or gear themselves up is to kill someone else who's already got the gear, right? Right. So maybe there's a, some kind of loot restriction thing where they, everybody starts with a specific amount of gear. Yes. Um, I was just going to say so, that, actually. like, the only way to get gear is to kill other people, so it stops people from just sitting and, and hiding the entire time. Yeah, it would be cool to, like, basically turn every player into, like, a loot pinata where, like, so everybody drops with the same basic gear. There's no randomization of gear, but if I kill somebody... They like I get an upgraded version of the gear that they drop or something. Could be. So, you know, and the more people you kill, the more upgraded gear you get, kind of thing. Potentially, so yes, yeah. yeah. So there, there's something maybe to that model. I think that does equalize the gear situation. Um, I I personally don't care about the RNG of the cloud because mm-hmm. I actually think that makes this what makes it interesting. Because otherwise, you're literally yeah. just going to be seeing the battles take place in whatever optimal place that people decide it, is it's good for the CS:GO at that point, which is a bigger map, right? Yes, <laughs> like it's really what it boils, boils down to, but. On top of it, I, I think if you do change modes too much or you change the way it's played too much from what the core game is, you lose the player base in some way, shape, or form, yep. right? Like, we talked about, like, what was RLCS or, sorry, uh, Rocket League? NBC did the thing where yeah, it was yeah, two the, cards the two v three, three and weird, it was like, yeah. why? This hey, is, like, this why is not did what I you play. do this? Uh, and everybody's like, no, nah, it was dumb and boring. It's easier to follow because <laughs> there's two less cars. Yeah. It's literally cards <laughs> bumping balls. It's just just a ball. Yes. <laughs> That's it. A singular ball. So hard to follow. If only there was other things on TV we watched that could prepare us for what RLCS does. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. We should solve that problem yeah. next episode. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how this all plays out. Like, we, we know nothing other than there's $100 million. Yeah, dollars you said the show. Well, we know nothing. We know nothing. <laughs> um, but I think if you've listened long enough, you already know that, right? No surprises here. <laughs> no surprises at all. Um, if you want to catch us talking about things we don't know, I th- uh, words are hard. Try that again. If you want to catch us talking about things we have no idea what we're talking about, you can do so every Tuesday on iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and on our site at nerfthis.gg. Also, make sure to check out our daily esports show where myself, Jules Scott, and Seven bring you the day's top headlines Monday through Friday. You can get that as an Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Alexa flash briefing. You can also get the podcast feed wherever you get podcasts. Um, in fact, we're even on Google Play. We have made our grand return to Google Play with the esports daily show um we still can't take nerf this over there but you know for you google play folks it is there which means if you add it it is also available on your google home if you're into talking to yourself 
Of course, we always appreciate the reviews on iTunes. Uh, leave us a five-star review. It helps people discover the show, um, which you know is hard these days. So we always appreciate it. And if you want to talk at us, you can do so by hitting us up on the Twitters at NerfThisCrew or in our Discord channel at NerfThis.gg slash Discord or via email at show at NerfThis.gg. And with that, I think we're done talking about balls. We're done talking about how you don't have anything to drink. We see what happens when there's not beer yeah, involved. Sadness. Yes. But that'll do it. We will be back next week for another episode of Nerf Yes.